Welcome to Polymathic Being, a place to explore counterintuitive insights across multiple domains. These essays take common topics and explore them from different perspectives and disciplines, and in doing so, come up with unique insights and solutions. An Ode to Beer Today's topic is another collaboration with Andrew Smith, who writes Goat Fury Writes. We partnered recently on An Ode to Coffee, where we did a fun historical, cultural, and scientific analysis of one of America's favorite drinks. This one follows the same recipe and shifts the focus to beer. The History of Beer Andrew here. I stopped drinking cold turkey about 15 years ago as I was struggling to maintain a healthy balance. Nevertheless, I've continued to be fascinated by alcoholic beverages over the last 15 years, and since flavor is no longer the main way I experience them, I've turned to history in order to broaden my understanding and appreciation of their importance. You might be thinking, okay, I know beer has to go back a few hundred years because I've heard about monks making beer in abbeys in Europe. So maybe those origins go back to the medieval or ancient world. I hope you're sitting down. I'm here to tell you that humans have been brewing and drinking beer for far longer than we've been writing. In fact, a clay tablet with some of the earliest known writing records beer given to workers as part of their daily allotment. The invention of beer is far older than the invention of the wheel, and its role in shaping human civilization is among the most important factors. Yuwa China makes a decent case for the earliest known beer some 8,600 years ago. Pottery shards from a site were analyzed, and alcoholic fermentation was shown to be present. This truly ancient recipe was made from rice, honey, and fruit. Clearly, alcoholic beverages were an important part of human life a long, long time ago. Maybe you're reading this and thinking, that's not beer. You might be right. Beer is currently made from barley, hops, yeast, and water. Much more on this in Michael's section below. Let's instead call Jiwa Brew proto-beer. In historical terms, it is an important example of early humans' experimentation with fermentation, showcasing their understanding of the natural process of yeast converting sugars into alcohol. But it's at best a stepping stone towards what most folks would consider beer. Real beer. The origins of barley-based beer lie in Mesopotamia, around 3400 BCE or 5400 years ago, is still pretty impressive, and its origins might go back even further than that. This is just what we found so far. Its cultural importance is captured in the Sumerian Hymn to Ningasi, written around 1800 BCE, which sings praise to the Sumerian goddess of beer and brewing. Her name literally means the woman who fills the mouth. It's a 3,800-year-old ode to beer. We're just late to the party. Ninkasi was an important figure in Sumerian mythology. She was believed to have taught humans how to brew beer and was associated with both positive and negative consequences of drinking beer. Hangover? That's Ningasi's doing. Have an innovative idea while drinking with other folks? Also Ninkasi. Beer was an important social connector for much of the ancient world, and yet it was more than that too. The Sumerians used beer as a staple part of adult and child diets. Current theory suggests that the alcohol from fermentation provided protection from common bacterial illnesses and also provided a method to preserve essential calories in an environment where grain could spoil quickly. In ancient Egypt, beer was consumed by both the highest officials and the common people. Records show that workers who built the Great Pyramid of Giza were paid 10 pints a day. 
I bet waking up to head to work was as tough for those workers as it was for me in my late 20s. Continued evolution. The beer that we recognize today required the addition of hops, which didn't emerge until 9th century European monks started to add them. Hops give the beer its bitter taste while also helping to prevent spoiling as a natural antimicrobial. The German Reinheitsgebot, or Beer Purity Law, of 1516 limited the ingredients of beer to barley, water, hops, and yeast, and began the standardization of beer as we know it. Coupling that with the Industrial Revolution led to a much more consistent and widespread product and the emergence of many of the old European brands. An interesting aside is that up until the late 1800s, your beer would have had zero carbonation. That's because there was no vessel available that could hold in the pressure required to maintain carbonation. Carbonated beer required advanced steel manufacturing for kegs and precision aluminum and glass for cans and bottles that just did not exist until roughly 150 years ago. In fact, the first cans of beer did not appear until 1935. Prior to this, most beer was consumed flat. Not only flat, but warmer. Refrigeration is also a relatively new invention on the historical scale. So beer would be stored in cool, but not cold areas. Europeans, where most of our beer came from, still drink their beer much warmer than the general U.S. population. By the end of the 19th century, the world was introduced to lagers and pilsners. More on those from Michael below. These beers were easier to produce in large volumes, had light and crisp flavors, and set the stage for the carbonated cans of Budweiser and Miller beers that most of us grew up surrounded by. Yet, a rebellion was fermenting in the 1980s, where hobby craft brewers worked diligently in their garages to produce a great variety of beers focused on the easier-to-brew ales and led to the explosion of craft brews in the late 1990s and early 2000s. Today, microbreweries are everywhere. In my town of Richmond, we seem to have more craft breweries per capita than anywhere else in the entire country. Maybe I picked a bad time to quit drinking beer after all. And with that, I'll pass the stein back to Michael. The science of beer. Beer is so simple, yet so complex. For today's essay, I won't break down the intimate details of the chemistry, but instead focus on how four simple ingredients can create everything we enjoy in beer. That's right. Modern beer, typically, has four ingredients. That's it. Malted barley, water, hops, and yeast. With these, we can make almost every beer on the planet. Lest you think these four ingredients are simple, for the avid beer brewer, each ingredient has its own 300-page book. This is where the science becomes interesting, especially when it comes to the chemistry behind regional beer styles. Water and malt. Water is water, right? Not in the least. This critical ingredient is actually the reason behind regional beer varieties, and the passionate home brewer cannot overlook the significance. Why is Ireland known for stouts and the Czech Republic known for pilsners? It all starts with the enzymatic action required to break down the complex carbohydrates in the malted barley into simple sugars for fermentation. This requires a very specific 5.2 pH. Distilled water has a pH of 7, which is considered neutral, so we need an acid to bring the levels down slightly. That's where the malt plays two essential roles in the beer. The first role is to provide the sugar to ferment and the flavor and mouthfeel of different beers. The sugar is achieved by malting barley, a process where the grain is germinated until it begins to sprout, 
breaking the complex carbohydrates into simple ones. This germinated barley is then roasted to different levels from light to dark, creating the differences between a stout and an India Pale Ale. The roasting not only changes the color and flavor, but also the pH. This is the secondary role of malt, where dark roasted grains contain a higher acid content and will bring the pH down quickly, whereas light roasted malts do not. So why Irish stouts? It's because Ireland has very alkaline water, meaning the pH is much higher and requires more acidic, i.e. dark malt, to bring the pH to that perfect 5.2 for the sugar extraction. Light malts just don't work for that. Likewise, Pills in Czech has water that has a much lower pH and cannot use the dark grains without dropping the pH below 5.2 and therefore not extracting the sugars. They were restricted to using only lighter roasted grains. Water and subsequently malt blends are the foundation of regional beer styles because a pH of 5.2 must be balanced between the two. Hops. This flavorful flour is another fascinating ingredient. It's used to both flavor and preserve beer. Originally, beer was flavored with Groot, an herb mixture consisting mostly of heather, ivy, whorehound, mugwort, and yarrow. Groot is predominantly a bittering agent and would result in a sour beer due to the introduction of the bacteria lactobacillus, which creates the tangy flavor in sauerkraut, among others. Hops began being used around 700 AD and have the benefit of both flavoring and bittering combined with antimicrobial properties that preserve the beer. Hops are also regionally varied and have been specifically cultivated to balance the bitter alpha acids with the aromatic beta acids and the essential oils containing additional flavor compounds. Today, there are over 250 catalog varieties of hops to choose from. The utility of hops also affects the resulting beer. For example, the highly hopped India Pale Ale was done in England, so that the increased preservative compounds enabled the beer to survive the long ocean voyage to India without spoiling. Ironically, hipsters spoiled many IPAs through their egregious use of hops with zero nuance to the palate. For instance, a hoppy beer requires a higher malt content to balance the flavors. This is why IPAs typically contain a higher alcohol percentage. As a footnote, if anyone dares suggest they have a triple IPA, just slap them in the face for being a fool. During the brewing process, the water and malt, known as wort, is boiled with the hops to extract the acids and oils. The longer the hops are boiled, the more bittering agents emerge. As such, beyond just the varieties of hops, there's also a ton of science and art behind how long you boil the hops to balance the flavors. Yeast. If you've been surprised at the simplicity, yet complexity of beer ingredients thus far, yeast should be just as fascinating. Fundamentally, all beer that you know use just two types of yeast, ale, or top-feeding yeast, and lager, or bottom-feeding yeast. Many different beers are created through unique strains of these two yeasts. Yeast creates a flavor difference between the Sweet Saison, the Crisp IPA, the Hazy IPA, the Warm Belgian Triple, and every flavor in between. Yeast is such a crucial ingredient in the nuanced flavors of different types of beer that breweries treat them as trade secrets and guard them very carefully. Back to ale and lager yeast, the former likes temperatures of about 65 to 75 degrees Fahrenheit and ferments quickly. Ale yeast doesn't like it too hot as it will release off flavors or too cold where it stops fermenting. 
Lager yeast can survive at much lower temperatures and owes its name to the German word for storage, as they would ferment the beer over the winter in colder climates. Of interest, lager yeast is actually from the Patagonia mountain region in Argentina and resulted from German colonists drinking beer from the homeland, storing the empty casks in the open, and returning them to Germany for refilling. Over time, a native Patagonian yeast strain infected the casks and, in the early 17th century, became the strains we use for lagering today. A new third variety of yeast has recently entered the homebrewing world from Norway, called Kvek. This yeast can handle much higher fermentation temperatures without producing off flavors, making it nice for brewers like me who ferment in hotter climates and don't always want to temperature control our brews. I've experimented with Quebec for a couple of years, and I'm pivoting back to the classic strains. While it works well for certain beers, it lacks the nuanced flavors that an astute connoisseur appreciates. In summary, all of our current varieties of beer consist of water balanced with regional pH, salts and minerals, a balanced mixture of malt for flavor, mouthfeel, finish, and a pH of 5.2, a precise selection of hops with intentional timing of the boil, and the yeast that brings it all together. We've only scratched the surface of the full science behind beer, but hopefully we've provided enough for you to appreciate the complexity next time you enjoy this libation. Yet, throughout history, beer has had many other flavors and styles that have been lost to memory. It would be fascinating to step back in time and try a beer even a thousand years ago and see if it was anything like we're familiar with today. If you're listening to this post on Substack or Podcast Player, please go and like this post, provide a review, continue to help me get the engagement going on this as we move forward. It's been great having you along for the ride, and I'm looking forward to your feedback. Thanks for listening to Polymathic Being. We'd love for you to subscribe at polymathicbeing.com, where you can read, comment, and share these essays.